Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pastor Mike Job Podcast. On this week's episode that we're doing live, was Jeremiah a bullfrog, or was he a good friend of mine, or was it something else from the 70s? Uh, actually, a much more serious question. Uh, what does it mean that Jesus died for us once and for all? Does grace have limits? Uh, can we can we lose our salvation? What What is faith, according to the Bible? And why did Esau give up his identity for a can of beef stew? That and more on today's episode of the Pastor Mike Drop Podcast. Pull up a Bible, pull up, get a Bible, pull up a chair and join us. We got some things to talk about today. Yes. Right? This is gonna be this is gonna be great. So welcome again, everybody. Emily, welcome. Co-host Emily. Hello. How are you? Great. How are you? Good. We had some fun beforehand. So yes, we, we, did. we don't need to re- to talk about all the things that happened with your car or anything like that. But yeah. we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but we and we have a lot of really important things to dive into today. Uh, our readings this week, uh, if you're new to this podcast, we're reading through the whole Holy Bible together as a church. And our readings from the Old Testament this week are the are the front half of Jeremiah, which is an amazing prophetic book in the Old Testament, huge, important. And then uh, getting toward the tail end of Hebrews, and Hebrews has just been this wonderfully surprising. I mean, we've read it before, but this time it just what are the what are the cool kids say, Jamie? It hits. It different. hits different this time. Yes, thank you. It's good to have cool people here. Yeah, I'm glad she. I'm glad I asked you because I'm like I don't know what the cool kids say. <laughs> you notice I look to her, not yeah, you. I, I mean, no, right. you have other gifts. Ben. I'm, I'm yeah. not offended. I'm relieved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, our pointed. panel of pastors. Yes, already chiming in, Pastor Ben Mason. <laughs> Hi, ben. Hey, everybody. Hi, Ben. A lot going on in marriage ministry world and everything always, else you're always. doing. Yeah, we're doing the marriage course. We got a mini retreat coming up in November. A lot of fun stuff. That's great. And young adult revive minister, Jamie Richards. Hello. Hi, Jamie. It's so fun to be here again today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And I'm excited to be here with you too, Ben. Yeah, glad to be with you. Yeah. yeah. We were talking about that ahead of time. How, how yeah. One of the great things about this podcast is the rotation. Of, of church leaders we have here at Hope, mm-hmm. teachers, Bible mm-hmm. teachers, pastors, ministers, um, and that always adds uh, a kind of a wonderful flavor to the to the whole conversation. So, yeah, let's get started on it. We've got some questions that have come in, a uh, lot of questions, mm-hmm. and uh, we try to summarize those, and then we take new ones too as they come. So feel free to to post those on social media, and we'll get to as many as we can. And the ones we can't get to, we'll try to follow up with you after the podcast. So Ted Lasso, help us out. Why don't we just jump right in? Anybody got any questions? Oh, yeah. No, should have saw that coming. Okay. Who is Jeremiah and what's important about the Old Testament book about him? (laughs) (laughs) Not a bullfrog. (laughs) Not a bullfrog at all. (laughs) Although, as impressive as this book is, if it was written by a bullfrog, I'd be extra impressed. Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) If anybody doesn't know, if anybody's not aware of the 1970s, there was this band (laughs) called Three Dog Night. (laughs) They had a super popular hit song called uh, Joy to the World, I think. Yeah, yeah. And the opening line was, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. He's a good friend of mine. It, it's a nonsensical. As far yeah, as yeah. I know, probably means something and probably something terrible. And <laughs> I probably shouldn't have brought it up. But uh, innocently, I just think it's nonsensical. I have no idea what it means. I don't know what it Me means either. either. Uh, but, but what does the book of Jeremiah mean? I'm so much more interested in the book of Jeremiah <laughs> than I'm in Three Dog okay. Night. And uh, for good reason. Uh, Jeremiah is a prophet that 
comes right at the end of the independence of Judah. The the people of God are kind of in this place where they've had a long list of terrible kings, and then uh, at the very end, there's this uh, really good king uh, who was actually a, a child when he became king, who uh, who brought all these reforms and and try to get people back on the right track. And unfortunately, it was just too little too late. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Jeremiah is known as a weeping prophet because he comes into the scene at this time where uh, um, people don't want to hear that things need to change and they ignore him. And then uh, he gets to see uh, Jerusalem sacked and raised, and then he gets to see his people taken off into exile. And these terrible things that happen, uh, Jeremiah predicts and then comments on, and uh, you have these uh, really beautiful and really hard passages that still apply a lot to our lives today. He says, you know, you've forsaken me in the living water, speaking of God, and, and you've and you've dug yourself cisterns that don't hold any water. Mm. So it's like, you, you should put your trust in me, but you think, oh, this thing will take care of me. And there's lots of ways that we do that today. Sure. You know, I... You know, I'm I'm the one that can make my life work well. Yeah. As long as I exercise a little bit more, I'll be fine. As long as I make enough wow. money, I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that word for us, like you've dug these cisterns that aren't holding any water. Why why do you think this is going to be the thing that makes you okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, the way that Jeremiah weeps is also the way that God weeps. Mm-hmm. God grieves, mm-hmm. and I think of the prophets in general, but Jeremiah specifically in a lot of this. It's a warning, and and there's different things that make a warning a warning. Yeah, there's real danger, and there's an opportunity for change. Yeah, Babylon is coming. There's Babylon real is coming. Da- it's, I mean, it's it's if you know real danger is coming, and you don't say anything. How is that loving or faithful? That is not loving at all. Mm-hmm. So when you read these things, man, you're like, this is a lot of bad news. Mm-hmm. Well. You, you want a warning so that you can change course. Mm-hmm. It's true. I mean, if yeah. it's true, we need to know. We need to know. And and then, you know, I, I see in Jeremiah there's this real hope that they will change. And you Absolutely. see God's hope that they will change and then the grief that they don't yeah. change. Right. And so I think we can, we can relate to that sure. in different aspects of our world today. Um, there's a... Um, thing that I think a lot about when I read the news is this poem by Langston Hughes called Tired. Uh, It says, I'm so tired of waiting, aren't you, for the world to become good and beautiful and kind? And I was like, ah, I see that in Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. He said, let's take a knife and cut the world in two and see what worms are eating at the rind. Mm -hmm. And and that's what I see Jeremiah doing. He's like Mm -hmm. saying, look, this is not okay. That's not okay. We just need to stop doing these things. Well, and you know, you bring up the news. And so here we are reading a prophetic book from the Old Testament prophesying to people of Israel in that part yeah. of the world. And we know that, uh, you know, it was last Saturday in Israel that Hamas launched a terrorist attack mm-hmm. on on Israelis. And uh, the 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 darkness and the evil of that and the, the, the details of some of the news stories that are coming out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> are, mm-hmm. I mean, when the news has to be blurred out, right. like the, yeah. the pictures and the videos have to be blurred out because you just, you, they know you're not going to be able to stomach this or, yeah. or handle this. Yes. That's about as, I mean, so Jeremiah is writing to a world that is filled with social injustice and evil yeah. and darkness and wars and rumors of war. 
there's a couple of dangers here that probably are worth us talking about just briefly yep. um, in the context of these things. One is this becomes a field day in 2023 for self-proclaimed prophets. There are true prophets, but then there are a lot of false prophets too who want to rise up to get attention and say, oh, well, see, let's put Jeremiah together with particularly the back half of Daniel and Revelation and some of the apocalyptic stuff in the Gospels and 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 piece all this together like a puzzle. And so we're going to use this really mostly to get attention for our ministry or for what we're saying. Mm. But let's let's just put the best possible construction. Let's say they, they really believe this and their intentions are, are true. Now, are there prophecies about the future in the Bible? Yes. Do we get to... Do we get to pull page to verses out of Scripture and say, well, if Russia and China get involved and the United States gets involved and World War III happens, then these prophecies, and then that means this, and that means this, and that means this. Be very careful about people who talk uh, that way, because I don't know that their motives are as pure as God would want them to be. I wouldn't want to be them on Judgment Day, because they're stirring things up to try to draw attention the false ones. There are true ones too. Just be very discerning. Be very careful about this. It it doesn't mean, however, that we can't find transferable principles and some very basic major themes in the prophecies of the Bible. Evil is bad. <laughs> I mean, it's dark. It's good. Um, terrorism is yeah. bad. We every Christian in every church should stand against terrorism, whatever direction it's it's being sent. And the way to overcome evil, Romans twelve, is not with more evil. It's yeah. hard because it's so tempting to say revenge is mine, but the Bible says, no, revenge is the Lord's. It even says that toward the end of Hebrews again yeah. in our reading for today. So just that we, we could do a whole series of podcasts on this, and we will have those forms and opportunities depending on what happens in the Middle East. But I just wanted to say that for now. The other thing I just want to say very briefly is as Christians, let's act like people who get to walk with confidence on these things, who mm. don't think that if everything completely falls apart that we don't have hope. You said that, Ben. You said in Jeremiah, even though there are the, all these warnings, and those warnings are good because there's truth that evil is dark and wrong, let's not, let's not act like people who have no hope, who yeah. don't know ultimately how the story ends, the story of us, the yeah. story of God, the story of this world uh, the, the, and, and the kingdom to come, the kingdom of heaven. Let's remember that as long as we cling to Jesus Christ, we're on solid ground. And I think that's really important to, to hold on to in the midst of all the bad news, because the bad news is getting badder yeah. these days. And, yeah. and, and the hope is found where, the, where truth and love meet together, mm-hmm. and that's in Christ. And that's in the way that Christ calls us to live, where truth and love meet together. And I, and I think that that's the thing that you see in Jeremiah, and that's the thing that we need to bring to the way that we pray for the news, the way that we connect with our neighbor, the way that we love our families. Amen. Yeah. Um, that's a really important word. Thank you for going there. One of the write-ins we got says, why in the book of Jeremiah does the phrase God's decree get repeated? You know, it. we were talking about this beforehand, mm-hmm. and a lot of it seems to come down to some biblical translation. And one of the things that I love about translation of scripture is that the Bible wasn't written in English. When I was in my Greek class, <laughs> one of my professors made it clear that uh, he'd heard a pastor somewhere the place will not be named, but the pastor was like, if English was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Yeah, we don't say that around uh, here. No, yeah. we sure don't. And so when you take a language that's shaped um, by a time 2,000 plus years ago mm-hmm. and in a part of the world that's wholly different than ours, and then you try to translate it into English, 
one of the ways that that could be translated is the decree of the Lord or thus saith the Lord or right. all those things. Yeah. God has good decrees for us yeah. and all the things that God has to say for us are for our benefit and for our good. Great answer to a great question. I happen to know too that you have a real passion for translations and, and these kinds of things. So I'm glad we got to throw that question yeah, to you. That's good. Yeah. Uh, why do you think the author of Hebrews repeats and continues to emphasize the from the previous chapters, this theme that our sins are forgiven once and for all time by Jesus's sacrifice. Jamie, you're on a roll. Keep it going. All right, here we go. Mike, you talked about this in your sermon this past weekend, and that was something that was really fun for me. And so without rehashing it, I know that we could, right? But just to, to send people back there if they have yeah. some more questions. Yeah, but it's on our Hope YouTube channel. You can yeah, find it there. Yeah, yeah, but a few more thoughts is that the author of Hebrews is writing to an audience here who... Uh, knows a lot about Old Testament Jewish law. They mm-hmm. know a lot about these mm-hmm. sacrifices that were required. There were daily sacrifices. There were yearly sacrifices, mm-hmm. um, sacrifices on the Day of Atonement. And so this audience knew a lot about the rhythm of how this all goes right. and why it is that Jesus would die. Uh, and what the author of Hebrews wants to do is to say those sacrifices were good and they were declared or decreed by God, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But there's something different happening now in the person of Jesus Christ. Christ and that mm-hmm. Jesus is the fulfillment once and for all. Um, and the example that N.T. Wright gives in one of his commentaries is that if you uh, take your car to the mechanic daily <laughs> to get it fixed, <laughs> it probably means that the problem has not quite been fixed. And it probably so, means you're broke, too. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? And so what the author of Hebrews is trying to say is like, those things were happening, but Jesus is the one who fixes yeah. all of those things that the original sacrifices were meant to kind of, yeah. not like be a Band-Aid for, but to help along. But all mm-hmm. of those things point to Jesus Christ. All of the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. Well, and it says that... Uh, the, sac- the continual sacrifices actually were reminded of them of their sin in verse, I think mm-hmm. it's three. Mm-hmm. And and in this way, we see the purpose of the law. The law n- helps us to know that we're sinful, and that prepares our hearts for the gospel, which which makes us truly clean and and makes us holy. It changes our hearts. And in this, too, we see, I really think that, like, uh, Hebrews 10 and 11 is really the climax of the book where... Uh, in the very beginning of the book, it's pointing to the ways that this is going there. He says uh, in verse 3 of the first chapter, uh, God uh, radiates his own glory in Jesus Christ, and then Christ sits down at the right hand of God, and that same language is repeated here in chapter 10 to say, okay, the whole thing has been pointing at Jesus the whole time. Did you get it? It's about Jesus. We need the name of Jesus, just like we talked about on Sunday. Well, and I also really loved, uh, there's a verse in Hebrews 10, you mentioned Mm -hmm. 10 and 11. Um, I have it on my notes here. Hebrews 10, 15 through 18. This new plan, God says, that I'm making with Israel is not going to be written on paper. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be chiseled in stone. This time I'm writing out the plan in them, carving it on the lining of their hearts. He concludes, I'll forever wipe the slate clean of their sins. Once sins are taken care of for good, there's no longer any need to offer sacrifices for them. Mm -hmm. So he's just saying that like this Jesus thing, it's not just about what we do. Mm -hmm. Like this will be written on us. And I love the imagery of that. That's Fun great. fact, also in Jeremiah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so once again, the old and the new come together. Something old, something new. That was yeah. also in the sermon. Yeah. Yeah. You can get all our sermons from Hope on Hope's YouTube channel. Yeah. It's a good resource. Yeah. yeah. Okay, it's Hebrews 10, verses 26 through 31, saying that there's a limit to God's grace for us. Does continuing to sin disqualify us from God's forgiveness? So these questions are some of the... 
this verse, Hebrews 10, 26, for mm. some people is the hardest verse in the whole Bible yeah. to read. Mm. Because let's say you're reading it as a Christian, and I'll just read it to all of our listeners just to make sure we all understand what we're talking about. Dear friends, Hebrews 10, 26 says, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. Mm. Whew, you know, that's heavy. There is no longer any sacrifice. So several things here. One is the devil has used this verse, I believe, to kick a a lot of hope out of a lot of people for a long time. Mm. The devil's a deceiver. Here's if we if we read a verse in scripture that somehow doesn't seem at first read on the surface, and there's something deeper going on here, I'll get to in a second. But on the surface, if we read something that says there's no longer basically any way for us to be forgiven. So if I'm following Jesus and I've committed my life to Christ, and then I keep sinning deliberately and willingly, I'm out. Well, guess who else is out then? Peter, um, (laughs) because he was all in with Jesus and then he denied him. Um, Going back to the Old Testament, people who were locked in with God, King David, um, the prodigal son story in the New Testament makes no sense in Luke 15. Uh, If... If that prodigal son abandons his father, or you can go back to Esau, you know, any of these, if, if you abandon your identity and you say, well, I don't want to be your son anymore, I'm going to go off and I was your son, but now I'm not going to be your son anymore. Well, the father in the story in Luke 15, Jesus is telling the prodigal the, of the, uh, the, the parable of the prodigal son, the father is God and the son is any of us who wander away from God. Well, what happens when the son repents? What happens when the son turns around and comes back and, conf- and even before he finishes, finishes his confession, God, the father in this story, runs to him, hugs him, embraces him, throws a party for him, you know, throws a ring on his finger and a robe around his neck and says, this son of mine was lost and now he's found. So there's the totality of scripture. And it is a huge theme all throughout scripture that when we fall away from our father, our heavenly father, there is still a pathway toward restoration. There's still a way back. So Hebrews 10.26 seems to say something else. Like if we, if, if we are believers and then we go away from that, that suddenly it, we're disqualified. We've committed the unpardonable sin. Jesus talks about an unpardonable sin, which is a blasphemy against the Holy Spirit in the Gospels, which literally means calling good evil, putting the things Jesus did and saying permanently once and for all forever uh, with no pathway of, of repentance or changing a heart, that that what Jesus did on the cross or, or the good things Jesus did, that somehow it's of the devil, it, you know, through the Holy Spirit. So you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit's work through Christ. That's just too far. That you, If you permanently reject the lifeboat, you're not going to be saved when the Titanic goes down. It is the way of salvation. Jesus is the way of salvation. So that all said, now we look at this again, and then we read it in the context of who the audience for the book of Hebrews is initially. And it isn't 21st century Christians living in Iowa or wherever you're hearing this podcast. It's first century Hebrews. It's first century Jewish Christians who the author has clearly stated, I'm concerned that you're drifting away. I'm concerned mm-hmm. that you're leaving the fold. I'm concerned that you're leaving Christ specifically. 
And if you do that, I'm telling you, there's no sacrifice back in your old covenant, which we just talked about. There's no priestly sacrifice in a tabernacle or a temple that can cover your sins. You've got to stick with Christ. And if you abandon Christ, that is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That is the unpardonable sin. If you aren't going to take Christ, then you aren't going to you aren't going to find salvation. If we abandon the way of salvation, there is no way, is what this verse is saying. Don't let it be more than it is, and don't let one verse form an entire theology that counters the rest of Scripture. That's, a, that's a, not just a yellow, that's a red flag waving. <laughs> Instead, that should be a sign, hey, we got to look deeper inside this verse. Let's look at the context. Let's think about the history. Let's think about who this is being written for. Let's, yeah. let's put it in the context of the rest of Hebrews and see all these people drifting away and understand God is calling them back. So the context is if you Jewish Christians leave Jesus, you won't be saved by priestly sacrifices. Look at verse 29 a little bit later, too, in Hebrews 10. It says, Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who've trampled the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant, which made us holy. It, it smacks of that unpardonable sin, as if it were common and unholy, and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. We don't want to do that. We don't want, it's just going too far to call what Christ has done for us evil and permanently mm-hmm. call it so. Mm-hmm. So short of that, we're the prodigal son, even if we've fallen away with a pathway to come back to salvation through Christ. When I think about this, and I think about unpardonable sin, I think about the conversations I've had with Christians in real life... Lots of them, right? ...who are afraid because of this, and I tell them, because you're afraid, you don't need to be. Mm -hmm. Isn't that true? Mm -hmm. If you weren't afraid about this, it might be an indication that you should be. But if you are afraid... (laughs) That's a good point. It's it, it is proof that you care what what God's saying, and if yeah. you care what God's saying, it shows you haven't turned your. It shows you haven't uh, disdained the sacrifice of Christ the way that Hebrews is talking about it. First John says, "We don't need to be afraid on the day of judgment because we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world." It's the same thing that Hebrews is saying. Such love has no fear. What love? God's love for right. us right. has no fear because. His perfect love casts out all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we really haven't experienced his perfect love. We That's just good. need to experience the love in a deeper yeah. way. And and when we as we experience that love, we move from that place of fear to a place of faith. That's huge. If it's not it's not just Peter or King David or the prodigal son. Uh, who has lost their salvation because they were with God and then they faded away. Let's be honest, none of us are going to be saved, including mm-hmm. the, the high and mighty self-righteous Christians who insist or pretend is more like it. Hey, you better worry about this because you're doing some sinful things I don't like. And so I'm going to tell you your salvation is at stake here. Why are we minimizing the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that once and for all sacrifice? First of all, that's the biggest concern I have with it. The second biggest concern theologically and biblically I have with that is it is so hypocritical. It is so <laughs> convenient. Yeah. It's it's church lady convenient from Saturday Night Live. Like, <laughs> let me point out your sin while she has the sin of pride and judgment and, and yeah. everything else cooking, which if she's going to apply literally to her own life, this verse She's not saved anymore either. <laughs> None of us are. We have no hope apart from grace. Right. Grace is our only play. It's our only yeah. hope. It's our, and that's ultimately the bigger theme of Hebrews yeah. anyway. We have this better hope. His name right. is Jesus. Speaking of hope, 
According to Hebrews 10, verses 23 through 39, what are some of the ways we are called to live in response to the confident hope we have in Jesus? So isn't this just like the Bible? So once we say, okay, grace is the key, it's, it's the mm-hmm. most important part, then the Bible also reminds us, okay, but you're saved for what? Yeah. It's not just do all these things so that you get saved, but now that you are saved, what are you going to do with that salvation? Well, the author of Hebrews has a list, <laughs> as a lot of the authors in the New Testament do. Paul had long lists. The authors of Hebrews is a little bit shorter, who says things like, um, hold tightly to hope. Think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good. This is all in Hebrews 10. Uh, meet together for worship. No more excuses. Enough of this. It's busy this weekend for me. I've got too much else going on. If you're too busy for worship, you're too busy. If you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. It's time to change your schedule. And nothing should be more important than celebrating this love and this grace that God gives to us. So encourage people to meet together. Don't make excuses for them. Encourage one another to worship, to love, to do good works, and, and do them yourself. So we're saved for these things. So it isn't some sort of soft, anti-spiritual discipline kind of thing. It's okay, but our salvation depends on Christ. But now that we are saved, let's talk a lot about the things that God calls us to be and to do. Why would we go back in prison if we've been set free? Or to quote The Karate Kid, one of my all-time favorite movies, The Karate Kid, uh, Mr. Miyagi asked The Karate Kid, why, why do you learn karate? Mm-hmm. He says, so that I can fight. And then, you know, there's, I can't remember if it's Daniel or, or Mr. Miyagi says, no, 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 that's not it. Because either the light bulb goes on, oh, mm-hmm. it's so I don't have to fight. Yep. Mm-hmm. Why are we saved? So that we can fight, so that we can, so we can go back and do evil, dark things, so that we can divide the world, so that we can get in arguments with everybody. No, we're saved for a whole new way of life. So we don't yeah. have to fight, so that we can love, so that we can, so that we worship because we want to, not because we have to, mm. so yeah. that our hearts are completely changed. Now we're cooking. Now, mm-hmm. So I love the one-two punch here. It's grace, but now that you have this grace, live it out. Yeah. Don't act like you're somebody else. Live out your Christian identity and no excuses. That's good. What do you want our podcast listeners to notice about the long list of witnesses who lived by faith in Hebrews 11? Well, the last question is really good setup for this, because if we think about the things that we're saved for and the things we get to be and do after uh, we receive Christ and put our trust in him to save us, this is the list of people that did that by faith. They did the most amazing things. By faith, they faced the most uh, terrible things. They they got sawn in half. Like, who got sawn in half? I didn't see that in the Bible. Really, That's hard to survive. Really, Yeah, really fun. Unless you're really event. a good magician's yeah, right. assistant. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was. It was like the first magician, right? And, and then uh, when when you look at these different things, um, what, they, what they did was they had trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity has a great explanation of that thing you're talking about, this this dichotomy of between works righteousness where we're saved by the things that we do or like a, a placid faith that doesn't really change the way that we live. And both those things are caricatures of Christianity and neither of those things is what act, what God is actually calling us to. Instead, he says, we trust God. And he says, when you trust your friend, you take their advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so uh, these people trusted God. Uh, Abraham um, trusted God, and Abel trusted God, and Noah trusted God. And because of that, they were able to do amazing things. But you know what? They didn't all receive what they hoped for. And and that's Mm. a big part of it, too. For us, 
you know, I, I, I want to trust you, God, but here's the things that I want in return. Like, that's not mm-hmm. what we get necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yep. And instead, he gives us what he wants for us in a deeper way. Yeah. One of the things that struck me about this is that, like, this is our family tree. This is our family tree. But it's not our family tree of, of a bloodline. It's our family tree of our faith and, yeah. like, the, the, the faith that they passed down to us. I yeah. loved how you were just talking about that, about they had challenges. All of those people yeah. did yeah. not have an easy time. Maybe Nor were they perfect. Correct, right? right? But still, they placed their trust in a good God mm-hmm. without knowing the outcome. And right. look what happened. Mm-hmm. And and there's this, uh, my favorite children's Bible is called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And it says, uh, the, the subtitle is, Every story whispers his name, and it talks mm-hmm. about how every single story in the Bible points to Jesus. And you see that in in this, where they have faith that God is going to do something bigger, and they don't fully understand. This is a good word for me because there's lots of times when I when I read a, something in Scripture, or I have an experience, or somebody sit in front of me, and they're like, "How do I understand what God's doing?" Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't. And that's okay. These people didn't fully understand. And it says all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance mm-hmm. and welcomed it. And agreed. they agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. Mm-hmm. And I love that verse. And it's the same with us. You know, you go, we talk a little bit about the news. You talk about whatever you want to talk about in this world, the 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 suffering that uh, when you see kids dying of cancer, yeah. we don't belong in this world. We have a longing for something else. Yeah. And this is what God gives us. Those are so good. And, and, and seeing this as our history of faith, which is even yeah. deeper than our bloodline. Uh, and and knowing that these folks kept the faith in the midst mm-hmm. of all these things, how how faith is really a big deal stood out to me. And here's yeah. the examples. I think it's also probably worth noting because the question is asked in a way is, what do you want our listeners to notice about this list in Hebrews 11? Rather famous list. People know it's there. It's that the author includes two women too. It's Rahab and it's Sarah. Um, mm-hmm. And that doesn't sound very radical to us. In fact, in in 21st century, you know, eyes, you might read that and say, Just she two? saw these men yeah. and two women. That's not <laughs> yeah. equal. It's not balanced. But in yeah. first century, um, it, you know, Hebrews land, mm-hmm. uh, which this is originally written to, having one woman would be radical. Way mm-hmm. too many. Having two is just like throwing it in their faces. Mm-hmm. But the but the point isn't just, hey, equality, men, women. It's way deeper than that. The point of doing that is to say God is for all. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. heroes of the faith can be all. It, it, there are no exclusions. What does Acts say when the Holy Spirit comes to the church? It's young men, uh, you know, young women, old men, it, people of every generation, every gender, every, every background, because they all come together from all these different places. So the inclusivity, the radical inclusivity of faith and our faith story, if this is our faith lineage, and it is, then let's pay attention to that, especially through first century eyes, which was a very male-dominated culture. Then the other last thing, and I, I'll, so I'll end this question with where it starts, is the intro into it. The famous words, faith is uh, the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction yeah. of things not seen. And there are different English translations of the original words, uh, but you know, faith is the confidence or the certainty or the substance of things that we hope for. It's the proof, the evidence of things we don't see. I just love that language. Yeah. That mm-hmm. faith, 
faith gives us something that's actually better than proof. It yeah. gives us confidence. It gives us assurance. It gives us conviction. Uh, it gives us evidence. It, it gives us it gives us stuff that's going to hold and is going to last. And it reminds us that our faith faith in Jesus Christ is well placed, and our faith in God has a whole long history. And the people were rewarded for their faith ultimately too. Sure, yeah. it was challenging to mm-hmm. keep the faith, mm-hmm. but and so why is the author of Hebrews saying that? He wants these people to keep their faith. Yeah. He doesn't want them to slide back and drift. That's yeah. great. What difference does faith, endurance, and keeping our eyes on Jesus really make for believers in the face of challenging life circumstances? Okay, so I love Hebrews chapter 11, <laughs> and then uh, which we've just talked about, and then Hebrews chapter 12 starts with, therefore. therefore. So yeah. <laughs> because of all of these things that the author of Hebrews lays yeah. out so methodically with all of these people, then he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by this amazing, huge cl- cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiated and perfects our faith. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about like keeping our eyes on Jesus, one of the things I think about is how important that is, not just when things are good and easy. Yep. It can be easy to keep our eyes on Jesus when things are easy and you're like, oh my gosh, my life is amazing. Thank you, mm-hmm. God, for all my blessings. Mm-hmm. And then you stub your toe or a loved one passes away mm-hmm. or you unexpectedly lose something that really meant a lot to you. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Right. And so I think about this in terms of when my parents taught me how to drive, I don't remember if it was my mom or my dad, or it's probably <laughs> both of them, honestly, cause they both did a great job teaching me to drive. Uh, they always said when you're passing cars at night, which I lived in a small town and a lot of my friends lived out in the country. And so we're at, I mean, there's really not a ton of lights out there. So if you're passing a car on a two-way lane out in the middle of nowhere, there's really nothing else to look at other than the headlights that are coming straight for you. Mm. And so they always did a great job of just saying, just keep your eyes on the road, because if you look at the thing that's distracting you, you're going to subconsciously steer your car towards that thing. Uh Uh, Like if you drive by an accident on 235 or Mm I-80, what happens? It slows down, and then you get past the accident, and there was nothing on your side of the road. It was just the accident on the other side of the road people are stopping to look at keep your eyes on jesus keep your eyes on where you're going otherwise these other things pop up that might be important uh but when we keep our eyes on jesus we keep going even when things are challenging jesus gives us perspective about the things that we face you know when we have these challenges one of my favorite prayers is god help me see this the way you see this i know how i see it and sometimes that's not very helpful so god how do you help me to see what what it is that you're seeing in all of this. Ben, you find yourself, uh, amongst all our pastors here at the West Des Moines campus, you probably do more one-on-one mm-hmm. pastoral yeah. counseling. Um, we all do as pastors here, mm-hmm. but but I think you take the, the bigger share. It's kind of baked into your job description here because you're so gifted at it. What do you... I mean, you must have unlimited kind of examples of this, and so <laughs> I, I, I'm not asking you for that. Sure. Plus, that's confidential stuff. But, yeah. but I, I just wonder, from your perspective as the person who does so much of this, how important faith is for people who are hurting, mm-hmm. which is really what this chapter is all about. It goes back to what I was saying with uh, Jeremiah. Are you, are you going to well within yourself the ability to love this person that hurt you? And maybe it's uh, a relationship broken by infidelity. And you talk to one spouse that's like, I, I hope they forgive me. And the other one's like, I just don't have the power within me. But then they tap into something deeper. You're not digging a cistern that doesn't hold water. You're tapping into the living water 
By faith, you can do something you can't find the power within yourself to do. How do you get through a cancer diagnosis? Mm -hmm. You're not going to have the power within you to find hope in desperate situations. But if you tap into the power that God has for you, people can do amazing things. And I've seen God work in people's lives and bring restoration and bring healing and hope that you look at it and you're like, I, I don't yeah. know how you're so hopeful. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I remember uh, a specific situation where a person was dying of cancer and they want to do a vow renewal. Um, and so we did. And I'm like, what scripture do you want read? And they wanted read from James, like mm-hmm. consider it a blessing when you experience trials. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's that's uh, definitely the read, tone here in Hebrews 12, too. You read that, is, right? God's you, discipline is good. And when, right? when you have hard yeah. times, that's going to be a real blessing and a great thing. Wow. And, How, but but it, it's true. And I would never tell... I would never read that verse to somebody who's dying of... <laughs> Not in the middle of it. Sure. No, no, but... But, yeah. but that's but they what, chose that. Right, that's, that's what incredible. they chose. Mm-hmm. And, and so the, the people that I see that are struggling have much more depth in their faith than the people that have it easy... And nobody really has it easy. But when we get down to really brass tacks of looking at life, you see the depth of what God has to offer is always deeper than the darkness. It is. And that discipline strengthens our faith. It really is spiritual strength training. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to have that conversation apart from from somebody who's right in the middle of a a new, fresh cancer diagnosis or grieving the death of a loved one. But if we can step back from those situations and just look at it a little bit more biblically or theologically yeah. and, and spiritually and say, huh, it's true that some of those trials in my life have really been something God used for good, as it says elsewhere yeah. in Scripture. So Hebrews 12 is a different way of saying the same thing. And there's also just an ounce here. The author of Hebrews is kind of pushing it a little hard mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a way that Look, if you're if you are listening to this podcast and you're hurting, this word is not for you. No. If, however, you are somebody who's listening to this podcast and comfort has become your idol and has become your god, I mean Jeremiah getting back mm-hmm. to Jeremiah again likens idolatry to adultery mm-hmm. and says, look, if 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 you just want spiritual comfort, if you never want to be challenged, if you never want God to push you, there's almost this sense of toughen up buttercup you know, that, that, that's coming in, in the midst of this, like, yep. hey, step it up a little bit. Um, your, your suffering really isn't suffering, and you're calling it suffering because victimhood is a really tempting thing to, to do in, in every generation, not just this generation, where we just say, oh, well, you know, my life is so hard, or I'm, I, I'm so overworked, I have so much to do. I've, yes, might be true, might be true, but but there's another side of this coin. The, the most important side of this coin is if you're hurting, God has comfort for you. But if you're getting too comfortable, yeah. God has a challenge for you, which is, you know, wake up. Let's go. Let's, yeah. let's start living out our faith. Let's quit making excuses. Let's quit being spiritually lazy. Let, let's, mm-hmm. let's go. Let's roll. Yeah. yeah. What was Esau's big mistake according to Hebrews 12, verses 16 and 17? And what does it have to do with first century Hebrews and us? 
I love this question. I think this is so (laughs) great. It's one of the stories that I always loved learning about. You know, I had siblings (laughs) and we always were at one another all the time. And so to read stories in scripture about Jacob and Esau, these brothers were always at each other. You could relate. I really, I really could. (laughs) I really could. Maybe I was more like Esau than I'd like to admit sometimes, right? So I'm just an older sibling that's a bit of a bully sometimes. Yeah. Same. Are you guys both older siblings? Yeah, Yeah, I'm the oldest. Older siblings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Those younger siblings are the worst, aren't they? They're just they have no never idea pulling their slack. The responsibility you know? we carry. N- not at all. Like, they're the worst. <laughs> Emily, you are I'm an only lady. child, and I'm the middle. So yeah. we've got just about everything represented here yeah. except yeah. for the baby. Although, if, as an only child, you're all of the above, right? Yeah, right. all. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You go. yes. You've got multitudes in you. <laughs> so you saw a lot of this growing up. I did. And so I'll just read the verse that we're talking about here from, uh, from Hebrews 12, thinking about these siblings, mm-hmm. right? So the story that's, uh, that the author of Hebrews is referencing is the story that's told in a lot of children's storybooks where Esau is out hunting and Jacob really wants his birthright. So Esau comes home from a long day of hunting, is exhausted, and Jacob just so happens to have a really nice pot of yummy smelling stew. <laughs> How convenient. How convenient. And Esau is like, I will give you my firstborn birthright for that bowl of soup. And Jacob is like, and Jacob is like Sweet. This was my plan. <laughs> yeah. um, and so then the author of Hebrews says, uh, work at living at peace with everyone. Work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord look after one another so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is moral or godless like Esau. He gets such a bad reputation. He does. Who traded his birthright as a firstborn for a single meal. And you can kind of hear the sarcasm a little bit dripping from <laughs> For the, a can of beef the, stew, you yeah, gave up your entire yeah, identity. Yeah, right. How hungry do you have to be? <laughs> Those must be some lentils, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but then afterwards, when he realized he wanted it all yeah. back, he couldn't because what he had done yeah. really... Mm-hmm. Uh, sealed the deal. And so um, I think about it in terms of like long-term Jamie and short-term Jamie. I had a roommate named Molly that a lot of you know. She we love Molly. Home. Yep. Yeah. And she would always talk about short-term Molly and long-term Molly <laughs> and who was driving the car of decision-making. And that was such a helpful thing for me to think about like, okay, yeah. long-term yeah. Jamie really, I should really let her drive the car most of the time. Sometimes short-term Jamie just lets to get, we let her take the car out for a spin. Yeah. But uh, really those those decisions don't always take in view the long view of life, right? Such and that's a good what Isaac, word. Uh, well, mm-hmm. what Esau did here. So, well, what, what you just said there. The, so, the application of Hebrews is so relevant for us on so many levels. Uh, long term, Jamie. Short term, Jamie. Long term, Mike. Short term, live our lives with a longer view. Like, what are the consequences of this in the long view, not just the short view? Mm-hmm. The question before you know, got there's. It's almost like in the same verses, God has a word for people who are suffering. And need comfort, and God has a yeah. word for people who are too comfortable and need to be challenged. Yep. So, you know, apply as needed, <laughs> and, and apply honestly and humbly. Mm-hmm. You know where where it hits. The other thing here that really stands out for me, again, given the context of Hebrews, Hebrews is written for Jewish Christians who are drifting, and the author doesn't want them. God doesn't want them to drift. So this book is written: yeah. Don't drift. You need Jesus. And they're saying, well, but our birthright is we're children of Abraham, mm-hmm. and what. The author of Hebrews is saying, you're like Esau. You're giving up the reality that you're actually not just children. You're children of God now mm-hmm. through Christ. You're, you've got a whole new family that's a way better hope, to use yes. a phrase that Hebrews uses. <laughs> yeah. It is a way better hope. Yeah. There's no comparison. And so if you want to go back to Abraham, 
you're like Esau. You're giving up. The price is too high. Yeah. <laughs> you're, right. you're, yes. you're just giving up way too much in order to get way too little. Um, come back to Christ uh, so that you can come back to your identity as a child of God, not just a child of Abraham. That's good. Absolutely. The final chapter of Hebrews summarizes major themes and inserts a few new memorable lines. What stood out for you reading these familiar words this time around? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorites uh, that gives me a lot of encouragement and hope, and I, I want you to hear this as we talk about in this conversation, uh, people that have suffered and people that are in the midst of suffering, even as we speak, uh, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Huge. Mm-hmm. And... Um, when we think about those people that went through the, all the hardships that they went through in chapter 11 and and the people that, uh, because they were long-term minded, were able to hold on to hope for a land yet to come and a promise yet to be fulfilled, that, that can be true for you. I want you to know that that the changelessness of God, the character of God that doesn't get swayed this way or that by... Uh, our attitude of the day or whatever bad choice we made, God's grace never fails. God's grace is not going to leave you. You don't need to worry. Uh, You need to be diligent. Mm -hmm. You need to be active in your faith. You you need to pay attention, but you don't need to worry. That's right. Because God is good and God doesn't change. Mm. I love that. Yeah. What, What stood out for you, Jamie? Well, there's a funny one, obviously, because, you know, I love the chuckles and then a serious one. Uh, At the very end of chapter 13, he talks about, uh, or he, we don't know if it's a he, it might have been a she, right? Uh, But in verse 22, I urge you to pay attention to what I've written in this brief exhortation. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a brief sermon that I didn't preach. (laughs) Actually, I could have said a lot more. Maybe that's what the author's, there's always a whole chunk that never makes the cut. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I just wondered if they were chuckling to themselves when they wrote that like, <laughs> okay, okay, you made a good point yeah. there. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no ats here. Uh, the other one that I love that really struck me, and there's so much in this chapter that was really good, uh, but right at the beginning of chapter 13, verses, uh, verse 3. Uh, remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember those who are also being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Mm-hmm. The author is describing empathy, mm-hmm. right? When you see someone in a hard time, don't point fingers. Don't be like, yeah. well, my life's way better. I can yeah. just move right on. True. Um, and for people like me who are really sensitive or who really kind of sometimes get caught in the feels, that empathy can be a dangerous thing. And I don't think that mm-hmm. that's what the author of Hebrews is no. saying here. It's just saying keep in step with the people that you're living around, yeah. you know, like yeah. it, it harkens back to the love God, love your neighbor as yourself sort of yeah. thing. So, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Hebrews has really stood out to me as, as a book, as I said at the beginning, that surprised me in a really good way. It's not that I didn't know what was in here in the content, but Hebrews can read a little chunky if, if, if we aren't deep into the history and, and, and diving. It's not, you know, here in Hebrews 13, there's some verses that are just like, cut and paste ones. You put this on your mirror. You know, yeah. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, show hospitality to strangers, because yeah. if you do, you might be entertaining angels. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear, quoting Psalm 118. Mm-hmm. These are all right here in this one chapter. But the problem with cut and paste Bible reading is we miss the bigger story. So now let's read Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever in the context of what you said, Ben, 
And in addition to that, just or kind of to echo that, really, you've said it, but stability in a rapidly changing life and world, especially for people who, if you know the history of Israel, it's not always good. No. <laughs> it's not always, mm-hmm. they're not always, in fact, a lot of times in the Old Testament, yeah. it's the opposite of good because of their unfaithfulness. And yet mm-hmm. God is merciful, slow to anger, abiding in steadfast love, as the psalm says. So while everything else in the world is changing, the news keeps changing. We talked about that at the top of the podcast, and it's scary. Um, our lives keep changing. We keep getting older, <laughs> I've noticed, which is not for the faint of heart, wah, wah. To, to quote Penny <laughs> Davis. I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff that keeps changing, and there's there's this human nature yeah. kind of thing. Well, I want to hold on to the way it was, or I want to mm-hmm. go back to the way it was. Well, that's not going to happen. And so what we have in the midst of a changing world where we don't get to control it, an unchanging Jesus. We have this stability. We have this constant and with all due respect to James Earl Jones and Field of Dreams, that constant is not baseball. Right. That constant what? is Jesus. I, I love baseball. It's close. You know, it'd be like third on the list of constant. It's a broken cistern. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. But it's, it's Jesus. And then at the end of Hebrews, it ends this way. So I think we'll end the podcast this way. Emily, anything else? What, what are you getting today? Because you, you've let us go today and you've, you've corrected us a few times, which is very helpful. No, I, I, the same that Jamie said about just like the verses about really looking at somebody's stuff that they're in and putting yourself there and then Mm -hmm. responding and having the hospitality and being in their shoes that's what this is all about yep so good so true the more i do these podcasts with you the more everybody notices what i've noticed all along which is emily's the voice of reason and the translator (laughs) who if we've gone too 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 uh theological or or up in the you know up in the clouds come on back he's like okay well here's what you mean um and so i guess that means we didn't go too far today Uh, but here i want to close with verse 20 and 21 because this, this is a beautiful summary to a beautiful book, Hebrews, which I told some people this week, I think it's my favorite book in the whole New Testament now, Wow, which is it. crazy. This is a new thing wow. for me because it summarizes Christianity. And I mm-hmm. you know, tried to hit that pretty hard this weekend in my sermon. Mm-hmm. Verse 20, and this is from the liturgy that we say at the end of funerals um, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. anybody who comes from a mainline tradition, not just Lutheran. So this is my prayer for all of you listening. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. All glory to him forever and ever. Nothing less will do. Amen. Amen. So here's this God of peace. Here's his amazing grace. Here's his love. And because you have that now, get busy. Live out your salvation. Amen. It's such a beautiful summary of the hope we have as Christians and the call that we have as Christians to receive God's grace and then to to be people who let it flow out of us. Let 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 it let it move. So go out and love the world. Uh, go out and encourage one another the way Hebrews tells us to, but do so because you have a confident hope, a better hope, because you got Jesus. He loves you and he promises he always will, the one who is the same yesterday and today and forever. We'll see you at worship this weekend. As Hebrews says, don't skip. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite platform, and we'll see you next time.